welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi. I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to the new Jesus. Uh, Our postulate for today, forgiveness is not a replacement for obedience. Okay? Um, Now, I hope just that phrase makes you think a little bit, hmm, I've never thought about that that way. Uh, It did me, and when I first uh, thought this, Uh, that's what I thought. I've never thought that before, that way. Forgiveness is not a replacement for obedience. Now, why would I say that in the first place? Because that didn't seem to make sense. Of course it's not a replacement for obedience. So, why would I say that? All right, let's get started. Uh, And by the way, the the teaching today um, would not... 100% of people would not qualify for this. They don't think that way, all right? My guess is it's probably more like a quarter or a third of people think this way and act this way. I did for two or three decades. I don't know that my wife, Hope, ever thought this way, okay? So don't think that. Uh, You may, may not, but my guess, one out of four, one out of three, Whatever. If it applies to you, great. If not, I think you might find it interesting and you may know someone who thinks this way and that might cause a light to come on and have an epiphany a little bit about them that you've never had. But uh, outside of that, if this is not an issue for you, just, you know, dismiss it. All right. Does obedience feel like a chore? Oh, my goodness. So... (laughs) Yeah, still today. Now, less than it did, you know, when I was growing up and in my 20s and 30s and all that. But yeah, there's still days today where obedience feels like a chore. And number two, I think I would say, besides chore, is maybe boring. 
Not, not necessarily that obedience is boring, but just I feel bored. And so maybe I end up disobeying because I was bored, which is an old saying, right? Um, idle hands are the devil's workshop or plaything or something like that, okay? Which, uh, yeah, you can apply that to being bored. And to me, bored is one of the big issues. Uh, a lot of people sin because they're bored. And especially today, as ADHD and ADD and dyslexia, the stuff I've got, uh, as, that, as those childhood things and autism, things like that, have skyrocketed in the last 20, 25 years, um, this has become a much, much bigger deal. Okay? Um, does obedience feel like a chore? Because of boredom? Because of pain? Because of lack of pleasure? Because of um, lots of things. And one of those things is what we're going to talk about today. And when I teach this uh, to the quarter or third of my clients that I feel like it applies to, as of today, not one of them has said, oh yeah, I knew that. Every one of them has said, wow, I've never thought about that that way. And for a few of them, it was an epiphany that helped them break the cycle, overcome the habit or addiction or sin, and start living a better, healthier, happier, more scriptural life. Okay? And that's what I hope and pray for you. Okay. There is no forgiveness without sin. All right? So sin is required for forgiveness. You ever think of that? Um, it's just, you know, there has to be one for the other, okay? Um, forgiveness can feel better than the status quo of obedience and being right with the Lord. Just, you know, being obedient the whole day, the whole week, the whole month, the whole year. Well, forgiveness can feel better than that because of the contrast between the guilt, shame, and pain of the sin, and then when you finally do experience, hopefully you will, forgiveness, that contrast can be huge. Uh, you ever remember getting really terrible news? I mean, just horrible news. I remember when I found out that my mom had um, terminal cancer, and the doctors, it's when I was a kid, Doctors were saying, you know, there's nothing we can do. Send her home to die. And, and she did, like nine months later, all right? And it was a horrible, horrible death, all right? Well, when I first heard the words from my parents, um, mom's not been feeling good. We went to blah, 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 blah. And your mom has liver cancer. And they say there's nothing they can do. Oh, man, my whole world just started spinning. I, I actually felt kind of internally like I was falling, but there, but there was nothing to grab. And, and it was just this helpless, hopeless, horrible, um, depressed 
angry, all, all of the above, okay? And, and fight or flight, I could feel it, man. I could feel my face on fire. I could feel myself starting to get hot and sweat. I could feel negative feelings, thoughts, emotions, brain state, I mean the whole deal, all right? And all of you felt that at some point or other too. Uh, some financial thing, catastrophe happened, your house burned down, someone rejected you and it hurt like crazy, you did some sin that was huge guilt and shame for you and hurt like somebody stabbing you with a knife, or you've sinned in secret and nobody knows that and you're having to carry it around with, that, with the burden of it because you've never resolved it scripturally. You haven't repented or confessed maybe, given it to the Lord, confessed to the people that are involved that you need to say you're sorry to, you know, that sort of thing. Well, if you don't ever do that, you're going to carry that sin around and the guilt and shame of it, most likely, it's what most people feel, for the rest of your life or until you do address that, repent, confess, resolve it, whatever. All right, that's how I lived the cycle I was in and most believers I know. And there's multiple reasons for that, but one of them is the contrast between the horrible guilt and shame and then maybe hours, days, or weeks later, oh, that relief when you finally feel like you're forgiven and right with God again and back on track, all right? So just like that horrible thing that happens can make you feel like an adrenaline trip going down to the bottom of the barrel, what I'm talking about here is unconsciously or subconsciously sinning so that you can feel the adrenaline of going from here up to forgiveness. So, because there's no forgiveness without sin, you've got to create a sin in order to feel the forgiveness. It's impossible otherwise. So, a lot of people, including me, and a quarter to a third of my clients, when we really dug down deep, and sometimes this took weeks or months to do, okay, but when we finally got down deep, we discovered that's what they were doing, those particular clients, the quarter to a third. They were either bored or a lack of pleasure or pain or just moving along in obedience, just, you know, they wanted to feel a little something more than that, okay? Um, that's why we go to Disneyland, right? That's why we go, what, 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 if you, what if you went to Disneyland and did Space Mountain, but before you did Space Mountain, your adrenaline and euphoria and you know, being scared in a fun way, because you know nothing's going to happen. It's just for fun. Um, what if you felt all of that before you did Space Mountain roller coaster? Okay? You already felt the high. You were on a high. You stay on a high all the time. 
Well, you probably wouldn't find anything very attractive about the roller coaster, even after you did it. Because all it did was give you the feelings you already had. Okay? That's no big deal. What's a big deal is to get that adrenaline high when you didn't have it before. You were either just in neutral or down in guilt and shame or sadness or anger or whatever it was. That contrast between the negative and the positive can be a real rush and it can be addictive. But in almost every single case, it's unconscious or subconscious. The person does not know that's why they're doing it. In fact, that, it, that's usually a big confusion issue to them. Why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep doing the alcohol when it's ruining my life and health and marriage? Why do I keep doing the sexual thing that I believe is a sin or unhealthy when I know it's going to make me feel worse. You're not doing it for the feeling worse. You're doing it for the pleasure. And then you know after the pleasure you're going to go down to guilt and shame. But what you're really doing it for is not even the pleasure of doing it sometimes if you're one of these quarter to third people. It's the contrast between after the sin, guilt, shame, pain, etc., and the high of being forgiven for that, which is a, oh, wow, yeah, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, that feels, okay? So, this is, if you want to think of it in one way, this is a contrast sin. You're doing it to go from here to here, or because you're bored here, or whatever, you're doing it for the contrast. You're doing it for the feelings. Okay? Um, so, forgiveness can feel better than the status quo, but shouldn't be used as an excuse to sin as much as you want. Uh, they address that, right, in Romans. Paul was explaining grace. And they were like, well, if that's true, we should just sin more and more and more. Okay? And Paul said, no! Uh, Basically, if that's what you do, you don't really understand grace and you don't really have the relationship with God that you need to have, okay? Um, no. In fact, if you experience grace and gratitude for God for grace and love and His miracle plan of love and salvation and Jesus, and if you really are grateful for all of that, and, and, yeah, I think we should be. Man, that's the reason to stay the course. To not choose instant gratification, the sin, so that I can experience the contrast high. If I believe all that's true, then if I will stay on God's path of obedience, and He tells me what to do and not to do, it's not for the joy of, of telling me I can't do that, I don't think. It's because it's not best for me. He knows it's not best for me. Just like any loving parent, okay? So if he 
tells me in Scripture and through the Holy Spirit and my conscience and all of that what to do and not to do, which he says he will. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you to all truth. Consult with your conscience. Consult with Scripture. All of the above, okay? Well, if I go that way, I'm going to get the delayed gratification result, which is always better than the instant. Always. And there have been like a thousand scientific, medical, and psychiatric and psychology studies that have been done that confirm that. That delayed versus instant gratification is basically... The, the delayed, they have a higher IQ, they make more money, they're happier, they're healthier. They're, I, I mean, pick, pick a great result. And there's a study, most likely, because there's tons of them over decades, that says that comes, the good from, comes from delayed, the bad comes from instant. Pretty much. Now, yeah, one time in a hundred or whatever, the instant. Now, I'm not saying you can't go get an ice cream cone or a treat. or Yeah, that's all. That's fine. Just stay in balance. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about intentional sin. Even if why you're doing it is totally unknown to you because it's unconscious or subconscious, which I believe this usually is. True obedience can feel like a chore, but it's a test of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. If you believe, nothing is impossible to Him who believes. With God, all things are possible, okay? But it all comes down to belief. It's a test of faith. And that's why God created time. It's because belief and faith require time. If there wasn't time, it would be instant. It'd be walking by sight about everything. Well, God needed us to have a choice because love requires a choice. So he had to create fear. He had to create, allow, at least from Satan, the negative side. But it's our choice, all right? So, in Scripture... If we have faith and believe the truth and act on that belief of the truth, and this is truth, and Jesus is the Word made flesh, John 1, then we will pass the test of faith. Not every time. N never. But more and more. As we learn, grow, we go a little higher on our mountain, etc. Okay? If you have humility, empathy, and submission, we've talked about all of these just in the last few weeks, the chore will be replaced with God's love and grace. Humility, believing the truth about yourself, not inferior or superior. Empathy is the virtual measure of how much you love. That's the definition of empathy, all right? And that's what we're supposed to do. Carry one another's burdens. Consider others as better than yourself. Equal or better than yourself, etc. Um, pray for one another. It, I mean, it's all through Scripture, all right? Uh, and submission. The man is the head of the house as God, I'm sorry, as Jesus was the head of the church and gave his life for it. He died for it. And we're told, 
submit one to another, carry each other's burdens. Okay? It's what love is. Alright? So, if you focus on, okay, these are all from God, these are all from Scripture, and our conscience, and the Holy Spirit, where am I on humility? Do I feel inferior? Do I feel superior? Both, all, both of those are humility problems and a lie because you're not. You're, you're not better. You're not worse. You're equal. You're a child of God. You're a fellow human being. You're, you know, John F. Kennedy said, we have so much in common. We, we all breathe the same air. We all want the best for our children. We're all human beings. We should love one another, live in peace. Well, God said that way before Kennedy did. And by the way, once you walk in faith for the long term rather than the short term, and you do get to a place where you experience God's magnificent, miraculous love and grace, and it is miraculous, it is a miracle. We talked about that the last time. The contrast feeling that's so good between guilt, shame, sin, whatever, pain, and forgiveness, yeah, that's an adrenaline rush and it feels good, but it does not compare to God's miraculous love and grace. doesn't compare. Nothing. This one will be over before long, and then typically you're on to the next sin so that you can experience the, the good contrast feeling again. Alright? Here, you don't, you, you're not here and here, and then the contrast is up to here. You're living up here. If you ever experience that, you will never go back. I don't believe. Now, there is a chance you'll go back, and we'll see that, and it is from Scripture. But I've never had a client who got to that point and went back. In fact, what most of them told me is, you know, this was nothing like I thought it would be. If you had asked me before I started on this, what would be success for me long term, I, I would have told you, but I would not have told you what I'm experiencing now. I, I, I don't think back then I would have considered where I am now that great. But then they would say this. But now I know it is perfect for me. And I will never go back. And that's how I felt. I believe that's how you can feel too. Alright? So why are we sinning? In the short term, not sinning doesn't feel as good as sinning and then experiencing forgiveness. Not sinning feels better long term, but so many believers never reach that because they're deceived into a sin, guilt, shame, pain, forgiveness, contrast cycle. 
over and over and over again. The contrast in cycles almost always unconscious since they're really thinking about the pleasure of the sin or the pain relief of the sin. They're not thinking after. They're thinking about doing, during the sin, okay? Uh, in fact, that's one of the things I've taught my clients is, okay, you're trying to break this sin cycle. Um, you need to start thinking about it differently. What they would tell me, and it's what I believe because of the hundred clients before them, but what they would tell me is I am thinking about the sin. When I'm tempted to sin, I'm thinking about the sin and then the act of doing it and the pleasure or pain relief or relief from boredom or relief from just status quo. That's what I'm thinking about. And, and I would teach them, okay, change that. Now start thinking about, okay, the second I'm done with the sin or mistake or wrong path or whatever it was, the second I'm done with that, how am I going to feel? Focus on that rather than the pleasure or pain relief of the sin. And, and you'll do it less, I promise. But most clients, they can't do that consistently. They can't think about after the sin consistently. What keeps coming back is the pleasure or pain relief during the sin. And so they do it over and over and over. I believe once you experience the grace and love of God to a certain degree and for a certain period of time, and for, for some it's instant, that can break that cycle. And you now can say, yeah, wait a minute. I, I'm being tempted to do this. First of all, I know it's not me. It's Satan tempting me, talking, me, talking or whispering in my head in my voice. So I don't think it's him. It's a trick, all right? And all of the temptation is about, yeah, the... the pleasure, pain relief, the, the, the sin itself. Yeah. Not when you get to a certain point with grace and love. Now, I'm not saying you won't still be tempted and think about the pleasure or pain relief. Yeah, but you'll be able to reason it. You'll be able to say, yeah, but wait a minute. Yeah, I know it'll feel good during, but I don't want to get back in that cycle again. That was terrible. And... I do believe that after, I'm going to feel even worse than I do now. So how much sense does that make? The guilt, shame, and pain from the sin are going to make me feel worse than I do now. So that's a bad trade. And if I go long-term being obedient, I may get to the... I, I want to see what that miraculous love and grace place is, is like. I don't think I've felt that yet. Okay? Well, maybe that's another way to look at it and go about it. Okay. We almost never think about the feelings that'll come after, only during. Change that. Um, many believers I know become addicted to a sinful habit or addiction because of the good feelings of forgiveness that comes after, but many of them don't realize why they were sinning. They just couldn't stop because of the ba bad feelings turning to good and the sort of adrenaline rush 
contrast of that. Okay? The lie in this cycle is the guilt experienced before the forgiveness is experienced. Okay? So you're, you're going along, maybe obedient, sort of, you know, obedient for now or whatever, okay? And all of a sudden something happens. It can be a thought, TV, internet, whatever, and you're tempted. Okay? When you're tempted, you start thinking about the pleasure or pain relief, not after. Then you do the sin, let's say, and then as soon as it's over, typically, here comes the guilt, shame, and pain, and I go down like a rock. Okay? Then I start praying, maybe. I repent. Oh, Father, I'm so sorry I did that. That was stupid. I knew not to do it. Why do I keep doing this over and over and over? I'm tired of this cycle. I'm tired of... You may feel lost. You may feel like God is mad at you. You may be mad at yourself. I mean, there's lots of things, but it's typically bad and negative for longer than the pleasure lasted. And then, finally... Depends on the sin, depends on the person. They get to a place, usually, where they feel like, okay, I've asked, <laughs> I've repented 17 times and asked for forgiveness 23 times. It's been eight hours since I did it. I'm sorry. I don't ever intend to do it again. I think I probably will because I've said that before. But Father, search my heart. I don't have the intention to do it again. In fact, my intention is not to do it again. And then at some point, I feel forgiveness. I feel right with God again. I feel saved again. Okay? Well, the problem in that whole thing is the guilt right after the sin. That's a lie. But without the guilt and shame, you lose the contrast feeling. Or at least not near as much, okay? But we are programmed to for guilt and shame, most of us. We were raised that way. You do this, you don't do that. And when you do this, that's sinful, that's bad, that's, you know, maybe, depending on how you grew up, right, the way I grew up, you're lost, okay, until you ask for forgiveness. And then, if God forgives you, you go to saved again. Now, I don't, I don't think that's scriptural. I don't think that's how it works, okay? And that, there comes the lie. All right, why? Well, we've talked about this the last several weeks. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you can honestly say from your heart, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, I believe that's the litmus test. If you mean it, if you mean it, what does that mean? Scripture says if, if that's your situation, you are blameless as if you've never committed a sin in your life. Innocent, a saint. I mean... Your sin as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers it no more. Uh, before the foundation of the world, it was dealt with. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. 
And those whom God foreknew and called, he justified, he glorified, he, you know, predestined. All right? Um, so the rub is that that guilt and shame feeling after the sin that makes the whole contrast deal work because of the extreme contrast, the guilt of it is a lie. Because before, if you are right with God and your intention is to not leave Him, now you mess up all the time, you sin, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, it's not of works, lest someone should boast. We're saved by grace, right? Romans says things like that over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And Paul does through all his letters and other, other letters too, okay? Um, before, during, and after that sin, if that's your state, right with God, the Lord and Savior, you mean it, if that's true, then I believe scripturally you are blameless and forgiven before, during, and after. One person I worked with once who was a brilliant person, had great respect for them, still do, um, shared with me how this cycle was broken with them. They were addicted to sex and pornography. Affairs, porn, you name it. And this was a long time ago. This was like 50 years ago, okay? And they were in this um, lying, pornography, uh, lusting, masturbating cycle that completely took over their life. And they were lying about it all the time, um, felt horrible, guilt, shame, all that, but couldn't stop, all right? And they started learning about Scripture and the truth of Scripture in the original language, not some mistranslations, and, um, and especially about God's miraculous grace and love, okay? And uh, this person had been learning about that, believing it, trying to live it for months and months, maybe years. I don't remember exactly how long. And then there came a day where they did the sin again, but this time they felt no guilt after. In fact, while they were sitting there, really in their sin, it occurred to them for the first time. Scripturally, I believe God loves me just as much right now, sitting right here in my mess and intentional sin as he did before I sinned or during the sin or later. I believe he loves me just as much right now in my sin as he ever did. And he had the epiphany of grace. And the addiction was broken immediately upon that epiphany, which was 
huge, had changed that whole person, that person's entire life, that one thing. They didn't just, at that point, understand grace and love intellectually, primarily left brain, but for the first time, experienced it in their feelings and right brain, and it changed them. Okay? Hope that makes sense. The lie is the guilt before the forgiveness. Uh, we never needed to experience that guilt in the first place. If that's if you're right with God, Jesus, Lord, and Savior, that's always the case with me, all right? So I don't mean to repeat over and over and over and over, but don't ever want you to think I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. This stuff only applies if you're a believer, all right? So I hope if you're not in watching this, this might encourage you, hey, there's something wonderful and fabulous you can experience if you uh, decide that's what you believe is true and that's the way I want to live my life too because I now believe it's true, all right? If we're experiencing guilt, then on some level we're wrongly believing we should experience guilt or that you deserve it, okay? That's just the way it is, okay? That's a wrong belief. You're believing a lie. The guilt is a lie. What's, what's the purpose of the lie? To get you to sin, that sin, over and over and over and over and over and over and over. The guilt makes it much more likely you'll do it again. Gratitude, forgiveness, grace, love makes it less likely you'll do it again. It's just human nature, psychology, okay? For virtually everyone. So, as ludicrous as it sounds, a lot of us, I, I told you, this, this one applied to me. I'm in that quarter or third of all people who live this. I lived it for decades, at least two and a half, are you sinning for forgiveness? The reason you're sinning is for the forgiveness. Or to be more accurate, for the feeling of forgiveness. But you should be feeling the forgiveness now. Because the guilt is a lie. Which means you're forgiven. And have no sin. Are blameless. I mean, all those scriptures. Okay? So, if you're doing this, goodness gracious, how in the heck did Satan trick us into doing something so stupid? Sinning for the sake of the forgiveness. It's ridiculous. And yet, it's still true. Some, yes, some sin... In order to experience forgiveness, the contrast is like an adrenaline hit. Okay? But that's a substitute. That adrenaline hit, that's not the real thing. That's a cheap substitute, love substitute I call it, 
for the real thing of long-term grace and love that comes from being obedient long-term. We grow closer and closer and closer to God. More, more prayer, more time spent, more meditation, more scripture, more Holy Spirit, more consulting with my conscience, more focusing on what is unseen rather than seen and valuing the unseen over the seen. Okay? Um, nothing compares to the grace and love long term of being obedient and pleasing to the Father. The issue is, if you haven't experienced that high-level grace and love, if you haven't felt it, you think sin in the forgiveness cycle is the best you can get. Now, I have to say, when I was in that cycle, that's not what I was thinking. I didn't think it was the best I could get. But I thought I had tried so many times to be faithful and obedient long term. I mean, tried as hard as I could, hundreds of times. Did, did a sin or something, repented, confessed. I mean, I meant it on my knees. I, you know, I've done that hundreds of times. So the place I was at was not, I, I thought it was the best that there was available, but I thought, I can't do the one that leads to the better. I, I've tried over and over and over and over. I just can't do it. So then in a moment of weakness over time, I would choose the sin. It's, I'd like to feel something pleasurable, or the pain a little less, or the boredom a little less, or whatever, you know. So I end up sinning, maybe either because I think that's the best I can get, or that I, I just can't do it. I can't get to there. Other people can, maybe, but I can't do it. Well, guess what? You're right that you can't do it. You were never supposed to do it in your willpower and strength. The battle is the Lord's. And he promises he will win it. All things work together for good. There is no condemnation, etc. And we talked the other day about, well, a week or two ago, about the three, the three kind of things in this area. Guilt is... When you've done something and it hasn't been forgiven. Condemnation is when it won't be forgiven, you believe. And number three, shame is when that becomes your identity. And that's the killer. Because your identity determines almost everything that you think, feel, do. Your chemi body chemistry, brain chemistry, hormones, everything. All right? So, what I would challenge you to is, in spite of the good feeling of that cycle, be determined that at least once you're going to experience this high-level loving grace, okay? So, 
I need to shift from instant gratification to delayed from the sin or mistake or what I think is really not good for me to what God says. Okay? And keep going until I get to that place and experience it. I don't want to miss that in my life. Okay? Uh, there's one passage, we talked about it a few weeks ago, that basically says, okay, there's going to be some people that are saved, but kind of just barely. <laughs> They're saved, but God couldn't really use them. Um, well, why? Well, because they, weren't, they, they were probably believing a lie, acting on the lie, which got them into a sin cycle. So, yeah, God, after we're saved, God's desire for us after we're saved is not to sit in the recliner and watch TV for 20 years, you know, get to a place where we've got enough money and retire to do that. No. Once we're saved, I believe scripturally, then he wants to use us to help other people. All right? So that's what it's about. You always have a choice. We've talked about this so many times. After we experience forgiveness, we always have a choice if we're going to now repent, confess, be obedient, follow God, get on his high road path, or sin again. And we may say immediately after, I'm going to follow his path, but then in two or three days or whatever, here comes the temptation all over again for that, and we fall again. All right? At least that's how it was with me and the clients that I'm speaking of. The unforgivable sin we've got to address uh, in this context is experiencing, according to Scripture, God's grace and love and then turning away for good. And that's what I'm told by scholars that passage means. That it's turning away your choice, not God's, and you never come back. If you ever come back, then it's not the unpardonable sin. In Scripture, it's only the unpardonable sin, I'm told by scholars, if you never come back. So even if you're asking the question about the unforgivable sin... Chances are you're not, you've not done it because you're asking that question with the thought of coming back. Maybe, okay. Um, so it has to be possible to do that on some level, meaning to experience this high-level grace and love and still turn away because that's the unpardonable sin. I've never seen it in one of my clients. That doesn't mean it didn't happen with one of my clients. I may have missed it, okay? Um, but I believe that's very, very, very rare. And I'm told that by scholars and commentaries as well, okay? Satan was with God. I mean, according to Scripture, there was God, Jesus, and then Satan. He was beautiful and... Uh, influential, important, powerful. So you got to think he experienced that high-level love and grace, and he still turned away for good and tried even to overthrow God. Of course, 
no contest, didn't work, okay? Uh, the beauty is that when we experience forgiveness for the first time, and, and experience is the key word here, that means you feel it, not just intellectually think it. When you experience forgiveness for the first time, you can feel that choice of the difference in love, cho uh, love choice versus the fear choice. You'll feel it and you'll feel, oh, wow, that is, oh, wow, that's good. I feel free. I feel joy and peace and all the other things that come from love. I feel forgiveness. I feel like I'm a value. Um, wonderful. Okay? The only way to be truly changed to where you choose long-term grace and love, I believe, is by spending time with the Lord. To me, it's the parable of the sower, which is one of my favorite parables. Um, so, seed is sown. Some of it's on rock, on, lands on rocks. Some of it lands on soil that's not very good. Some of it lands on soil that has a lot of thorns and stuff that'll choke choke uh, any growth out. I mean, all kinds of different soil. One of them is good soil, okay? And the parable of the sower says in that passage in Scripture that if, it, it, the, if the evil one comes and steals away the seed before it can take root, it will never bear fruit. And it is a parable. It's a metaphor. And it says Jesus always talked in parables when he taught. Okay? So, the, what, the seed is the truth. It's the Word of God, and Jesus is the Word made flesh. So, in another sense, it's the person of Jesus. But it's the truth and the person of Jesus. Okay? I believe that's what the seed is. And so, if you hear the truth, and you're weighing it, okay, is this the truth or not? Am I going to believe this or not? Etc. Alright? If Satan comes and gives you a distracting thought or a lie about that truth rather than what God says in Scripture and the way it works or a lot of other things could be a almost infinite number of things that could happen that cause you to not believe that truth, but to believe either a fleshly or one of Satan's lie competing truths. He's got a substitute for everything God has a real thing, pretty much, alright? So, if you hear that truth that God made to prick you in your heart. And he built that into you. A homing beacon call to him. And you hear the truth and you're starting to feel that. But then something happens and you lose it. Or it goes away. Or you choose the old path. Or out of fear you say, no, I can't commit to that. Or, or, or whatever then it will never bear fruit, which means uh, you won't become right with the Lord, okay? Which is horrible. Worst thing that can happen to you on this earth, all right? 
But if you do believe the word, if it does take root in your heart and you accept it and start obeying and living your life that way, then you bear fruit. Well, what's the fruit? Galatians 5, fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. Okay? That's the fruit. And also, probably, a health correlation as well, because your stress goes down, uh, perfect love drives out fear. The other name for the stress response is the fear response. Okay, but to me, if you're thinking, okay, but how do I do that? How do I, how do I get to the long-term grace and love? How do I get to that intimate relationship with the Lord? How do I get to the high road? I believe it's about relationship. It's about spending time with the Lord. In the end, it's all about relationship and dependence on Him rather than trying for independence so I can do what I want and have what I want when I want. Until you give that up, what I want when I want, you can't get here. Okay. How do you spend time with the Lord? Well, in the Word. He wrote it, right? It's inspired, right? Okay. Prayer. He says pray without ceasing. Okay. Uh, I've got a book right here written by uh, three neurosurgeons, I believe. Uh, a best-selling book. I got it on Amazon. Uh, How God Changes Your Brain. And these guys weren't uh, pitching church or God, they were trying to discover what is the healthiest and most harmful thing for your brain and nervous system because they were neurosurgeons. It's their, their thing, their field, okay? You know what they found? That the number one most healthy thing, healing thing for your brain and nervous system is a belief in God and prayer. Isn't that amazing? comes from science, comes from medicine, okay? A distant second was exercise, okay? So a belief in God and spending time with Him, which is all prayer is, it's communication with God, with a person we would talk, right? Well, we talk with God, but we can also think a prayer, whatever. But that's spending time with the Lord. So, it's all about relationship, and I believe that's why we were created, and God did everything that He did was for loving relationship with us and for us to have loving relationship with others as well. That's why we're here. It's all about relationship. Well, the solution to this contrast sin and the vicious cycle is relationship, right and intimate relationship with God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Word, that relationship is what will break that cycle and get you to the high level that you feel love and grace. So here's where I'm going to end. Okay? Uh, some, 
a lot of people have said, you know, when you teach, you sound so confident. Well, I'm not always confident, all right? Maybe even if I sound confident. But sometimes, rather than a teaching or a statement of fact or whatever, a question works way better, okay? I, I, oh, I, I discovered that 30 years ago at least, I think, when I was in full-time ministry, all right? Sometimes a question is way better and has better long-term results too. So here's where I'm ending this uh, for you to pray on, meditate on, search scripture, uh, consult your conscience, consult other people, whatever you need to do. Are you in a sin cycle because of the feeling of forgiveness? And if you are, remember, there is no forgiveness without sin. And sin is what keeps us from our best life, from that high level grace and love that is beyond words. So think about it. Pray about it. Give us feedback. Uh, and again, this does not apply to all of you, but if you're one that this does apply to, I believe changing this vicious cycle and being aware of why you're sinning, that it's really for that end result feeling of forgiveness, so I'm sinning for forgiveness, well, that's stupid. Now, I'm not calling you stupid at all, but I'm saying that's not very smart to sin for the forgiveness. Yeah, it's not. And it's amazing to me that Satan has got so many of us to do that, but the only way he could do it for most of us was we didn't know why we were doing it. Well, hopefully, if this applies to you, now you know. And that's half the battle a lot of times. It's just, oh, that's where this is coming from. Well, that's stupid. I'm not going to keep doing that, all right? But you ask yourself, ask God, ask Scripture, ask your conscience. See what you get. And I would love to know if you'll share that with us. So anyway, thank you for listening. If this applies to you, I think this can be a big deal. If it doesn't apply to you, I'm sorry. Maybe it helps you with someone you know. Either way, uh, God loves you. That makes it a fabulous day. A miracle day. So have a wonderful, blessed day.